Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, and I'm here with my partner, Dr. Rafi Hussein. And today we are on episode 41, season three of The Pod Doctors. Talking about ankle pain. Yeah, so today we're going to dive into just a general overview of common ankle pain, ankle problems, things that um, you know you may not know exactly what's going on, but something's causing you some pain. I don't know his roll a joint, but when I do, it's my ankle. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, yeah, ankle ankle injuries are some of the most common common musculoskeletal injuries uh, oh, yeah. that that anybody encounters, let alone um, podiatric surgeons. We we encounter a ton of them. Yeah, ankle pain. I mean, a sprained ankle is the number one injury in sports injuries. I believe it. Yeah. That's kind of what brought me to this specialty. You know, <laughs> having had a number of them in my day, and that was certainly one of the uh, one of the instigators for me looking into this specialty was ankle pain. So what happens? Patient comes in and they'll write on their form or they'll say, "I'm having some diffuse ankle pain." Doc, what's going on? What's what do you see? And you know. And I'm like, all right, let's let's see, because not all ankle pain is the same, you know. So we're going to do a full circle around the ankle, determining what are uh, some common injuries. Lateral ankle sprains, by far, are probably the most common ankle injury that we see. Yeah. So your lateral ankle is made up of a couple of ligaments. Most common injury is your ATFL ligament. That's your most basic type of sprain. And as things progress, you do a kind of a circle around the ankle, uh, on the lateral ankle. Then you have your calcaneal fibular ligament, your posterior tibial fibular ligament, and your anterior inferior tibial fibular ligament. The posterior inferior tibial fibular <laughs> posterior <laughs> inferior tibial fibular ligament is probably the least commonly injured. Right. When you get to that anterior inferior TFL, the injury goes from your basic ankle sprain to a high ankle sprain. Yeah, that's the injury that that would be described as a high ankle sprain. Those can be really, really, really painful. Yeah, and in conjunction to that, you also injure the tendons that are running along the side, the two peroneal tendons that come along that that fibular groove. Mm-hmm. So when you roll that ankle, you're pulling on those ligaments, you're getting some partial tears, maybe a complete rupture, and then you're also 
pulling on those tendons, which are, you know, being physically abraded against that bone. Sometimes they can sublux, and that's when you get that clicking sensation on that side of the ankle. Or they can yank so hard they actually pull bone off. Yeah. Base yeah. of the fifth met. Yeah, base of the fifth metatarsal is you can get an avulsion fracture that's basically a feedback loop. The stretch receptors in that tendon cause a, a, a wicked firing of your perineals. Yep. And roll you, that ankle. And yeah, you'll, you'll literally rip bone off. So you'll either tear the tendon or you'll, or you'll break bone. So how do we determine your ankle sprain from strain? We do our muscle test. We palpate the areas. We may look into getting uh, advanced imaging. But most commonly, our physical exam is where we determine this stuff. Physically palpating those ligaments, turning the ankle in, your inversion. When people say, oh, it hurts to roll my ankle in, or when I twist my ankle in, or when I pull my toes this way, it hurts on the side of my ankle. That's when we're like, all right, this is where it's injured. And then here, look at this picture. That's a... You that's had your, one of those the other day, didn't you? Yeah, uh, they happen quite often. Yeah. You can physically palpate them. So I'll have them push their foot laterally, meaning their fifth toe. I'll be like, look, push your toes against my hand. And you'll feel that ankle literally snap that tendon around that fibula it is one of the most uncomfortable feelings you know when you're like all right now we have a real problem going on and so that's literally dislocating perineals yeah and that can be due to a rupture of the retinaculum it could be a chronic injury that's sort of predisposed because their groove is real shallow so if that groove if if you're just born with a really shallow groove behind your fibula it's very easy for those tendons to sublux or or to get out of position Uh, over time you can stretch the retinaculum you can tear it uh, and and that may have to be reconstructed. That groove may have to be yeah. deepened so that you allow those tendons to stay put. But Yeah, and there's a lot of ways that people go about doing this. Uh, I know a lot of people shy away from doing the groove deepening, but uh, when it's necessary, you kind of have to. Yeah. So I'm very aggressive with my groove deepening. I used to do the drill method where you kind of drill in from under, and you kind of tamp it in, and if it looks like I can, I'll try to get away with that. But I guess... Two out of three times, I'll more commonly just kind of physically debride out that groove and then cover it up with like my little stem cell graft so it stays nice and smooth mm-hmm. or bone wax or something similar that the articular surface stays nice and smooth. Now, there are options where you can kind of do an osteotomy of that bone and slide it over, but I try to avoid doing osteotomies of the fibula. Just one, it's a thinner bone, and two, you know, why damage more when I can hopefully get away with less? And then obviously repairing that retinaculum. So I'll typically, uh, I'll do a little um, uh, retinaculum pair with my fiber tape, suture tape, whatever. Or, or soft tissue anchors. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I literally take it from the dorsal lateral side of the calcaneus and bring it up to the edge of that fibula where it's supposed to be. And hopefully that'll prevent that pronotendons tendons from subluxing around there ever again. I'll, I usually do like a reefing where or I'll put in three or four soft yeah. tissue anchors. And run it up. And then... You know, basically yank that perineal retinaculum back over into position and yeah. lock it in place. Yeah, and those those work actually quite well. All right, so treatment options. We already talked about some of the surgeries. Basic treatment options, we want to immobilize. There's a lot of different braces and boots and stuff, and they're all specific to kind of different problems. You know, some kind of cover a broad range, some cover more, you know, general problems. So my basic go-to for these are my figure eight braces. I'm a big fan of these. They're real simple. You can immobilize that ankle, and it prevents that ankle from moving inversion, eversion, but you still get that frontal, I mean, that uh, sagittal plane motion, meaning your toes up and down type of motion. When you have recovery and things, you know, sometimes uh, these little malleo trains, these are nice. They physically have a little gel pad that sits right behind that little fibular groove 
that pushes that tendon in for someone who's trying to you know avoid surgery trying to let that uh that hopefully that retinaculum maybe scar in yeah repair yeah. on its own Do, what what are your thoughts on on rehabbing these, I think we used to keep people immobilized for a lot longer than we do now. Are you getting them so, into early range of motion? So typically, what I do is that first week I'll hard immobilization, yeah. kind of letting everything calm down. Get I'll send them on, out. yeah, steroid pack or you know uh, uh, muscle relaxers, depending on how bad it is. I, I, I try to get them into compression stockings, push yeah. all that fluid, keep that out. swelling down yeah. exactly. And then once a week or two goes in, I'm having them do an aggressive range of motion, starting off light, you know, your ABCs, your ankles, some light resistant bands. And then eventually, you know, some body weight exercises. Now, if they're having clicking or snapping sensations, then it's a whole different situation. Yeah. You can't really rehab that to get better. But if it's your basic ankle sprain, you know, a little tendonitis, immobilize real hard first week, and then after that, I'm I'm getting them back to better uh, because. And we're and we're using our physical therapy guys for a lot oh, yes. of that too because they they do such a great job. Yeah, usually between that, that three to six week mark, right. I'm kind of determining how good they're doing. I was like, look, do you need a helping hand? Uh, and I tell them. Treat your PT like a personal trainer because yeah. you're going to see them. You know, this is broad spectrum, all right? You're going to see them two, three times a week maybe for mm -hmm. an hour at a time. That three, four hours that you're spending a week on your ankle or whatever part of the body that's being rehabbed, not enough. I tell them twice a day, once in the morning, once at night, you know, yeah. every day. They're going to give you homework. You need to do your homework. You can't just think, you know, visiting the office for physical therapy is going to make things better. Good point. All right, so <laughs> in conjunction with uh, with ankle sprains, traction neuritis. We never uh, want to forget about the nerves. Yes, yeah. I, I, these, uh, will, these will come back to bite you if you if you ignore them. Yeah, I had a, uh, that recent one recently. Um, where how, how's she doing? Great, yeah, yeah. phenomenally great. Yeah, awesome. Uh, a lot, a lot better than she was initially. So you know, you get the ankle better. Patients kind of have that lingering pain still still tender on the side of the ankle, still hypersensitive. And it's not specific. You'll kind of like do your range of motion. It's not really hurting them, but you still have some diffuse aches and pains. People are like, you know, when I move in this position or when I'm walking too much, it kind of flares up. Or they so, say things like burning, yes. tingling, yeah. shooting. You're like, okay, that's not musculoskeletal pain. So we need to parse that out and figure out, okay, did they do some sort of nerve injury at the original, uh, in, original incident? And that, that's really... Very common. Yeah, so we'll do a full, full neurological exam starting from the top of the knee down and, you know, your uh, pinwheel, you'll do your, your tenel sign, you'll do your, your monofilament, you'll do whatever uh, is needed and you kind of determine where it's going on. And most common uh, traction neuritis injury is that superficial peroneal nerve. I mean, you've been doing this for years. I mean, how often do you feel like people miss this? I haven't looked at the latest literature on on percentages but i think it i think it's missed commonly yeah, very and also it gets because it gets thrown in as just lingering ankle pain yeah and it's not going to be 100 you know and, and i think people don't know what to do with it necessarily and so they're not looking for a specific nerve injury but when you know what you're looking for it, it's pretty easy to find this you can tap over that nerve and they get zingers out into their toes yeah that that's a positive tenel sign um you can you can often see sometimes some numbness on the top of the foot in that specific distribution of that nerve and even the common branch up at the knee i mean yeah. you can traction injure that one as well and they'll have potentially enough scarring that they can develop weakness they can develop partial drop foot yeah it starts with a big toe yeah. and then the ankle and exactly so and if it's a really bad injury you can avulse nerve out of muscle and so for some serious injuries, we've even seen that where they've, they've damaged the deep uh, fibular or deep perineal nerve 
which controls dorsal flexion, and they've literally avulsed the nerve out of the muscle. And you have about nine or ten months to fix that. Otherwise, those motor end plates die off, and that muscle atrophies, and, and you're going to end up with a drop foot. So, yeah, these are injuries that need to get worked up appropriately, and and you know clearly these are injuries that we see rather routinely because we we have sort of a tertiary referral base on, on particular nerve injuries. Thanks. What's your conservative management for these? You know, if they have neuritis, if they have what what seems to be a, uh, an, uh, an, if they have a neuropraxia yeah. where you expect this to recover. Yeah, neuropraxia meaning that the like almost like a, you fell asleep on your arm the wrong way and mm-hmm. the arm goes numb. It's not a physical laceration of that right. nerve. They have it's an more of a compression injury. And and the, say they've got a little bit of tenels. Yeah, it's only been six weeks since their injury. You know, we just do supportive care, um, anti-inflammatories, maybe get them into PT. But if this thing is lingering, you're talking six months, seven months, then we're, you know, looking at nerve conduction studies to see if there's something obvious, EMGs. And if that's all relatively normal and the patient still has neurotic symptoms, you know, that that's where the patient needs to be counseled that, okay, this test has limits. It's showing that your general peripheral nerve function is is normal. It doesn't mean it's all in your head. We understand you have symptoms. We understand you have true pathology here, but this test can't pick it up when it's real subtle. And so at that point, we'll do nerve blocks. We'll try to figure out which nerve branches are involved. It's pretty easy to block the superficial fibular nerve and have the patient have you know, dramatic pain relief for yeah. two or three hours. They'll say, it's numb on the top of my foot, but that's from the lidocaine. Right. But if they're not having that pain anymore. They're like, wow, that's awesome. Can yeah. you do that? <laughs> and, and so sometimes we can decompress the nerve at that exit point. So yeah. it's that exit point where it usually gets kinked or it's getting scarred in. So we'll un- unzip all that tissue for, you know, nine to nine to 10 or 12 yeah. uh, centimeters and then fry the edges of that tissue so that it doesn't grow back. And then the nerve is in between a fat layer under the skin and the muscle, and there's nothing there compressing it any longer. That usually fixes it. If you've got a nerve that has been severely traction injured, it's going to scar in poorly, it's going to become rubbery, and you can feel the difference between normal nerve and and a scarred, an internally scarred nerve where where you're going to have to do something more. Sometimes we have to literally take out a 10 centimeter or 8 centimeter section of nerve and and graft it and replace it because that section of nerve is never going to act normal. And, And those cases can do quite well, and we can use a cadaveric nerve graft, acellular cadaveric nerve graft for that. Uh, the Avance graft from uh, Oxygen works great for for anything less than, you know, probably a seven centimeter. It's 70, 70 millimeters is about about the extent. After you go beyond that, and you're not going to get a good result. Yeah, uh, but this is something like I said, uh, you're you're fixing problems, and you, you can easily look over this. I mean, oh, this is this just, gets overlooked all the time, yeah. and and when it lingers. You know, the musculoskeletal symptoms all seem to clear up. They've got good range of motion. They're not having any more trouble with the joint itself. But then they just have this lingering, burning, tingling, buzzing. And, you know, that's nerve every time. All right. So let's work our way around. We've got the lateral ankle now, the front of the ankle. So most common anterior ankle pathologies that we see are usually your impingement type of injuries. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it'll be like a synovitis, uh, I like to tell my patients. Almost like that capsule is turning in on itself and being pinched off on that that front of the ankle. And that Um, lining gets, it's full of nerve endings. Yeah. Blood vessels and nerve endings. And that when it's getting pinched in the front of the ankle, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my patients, when you have ankle synovitis or, uh, you know, inflammation of the ankle joint, uh, a nice healthy ankle joint will be like, 
smooth leather. I mean, inside that capsule, you scope it, beautiful. When you have synovitis or any type of pathology going on, it's like a shag rug. It's like a forest. Yeah, it's it's yeah. coming in at you. You see all these little uh, we, filaments and fingers we, we, and we stuff. We need to get some, pic- some I, good I think pictures. I got some. You got some. some oh, geez, look yeah. at that. Yeah. That's classic synovitis injected. You see the red tinge that's called injected synovitis. Yeah. And you can see how that's easily getting pinched between the tibia and the talus. Yeah. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll press on the front of the ankle, usually towards the anterolateral side, and I'll, I'll flex that ankle up and down and see if I can't recreate that pain. And more common than not, they'll instantly have like that little, oh, that's it right there. And you're like, all right, it, this is synovitis more than anything. And so this is arthroscopy, just like knee and hip yeah. arthroscopy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I use the same four millimeter camera, yeah. four millimeter yeah. instrument. Got my little distraction. And then you look at the fibrous bands you got there, yeah. and and the just the, I mean, joint mouse. Is yeah. that is that what you would call those? Yeah, these are little um, just fi- fibrous chunks. Yeah, little, little pieces of cartilage that calcify. Yep. So what ends up happening is you know a little wear and tear on the joint. Those little cartilage pieces will calcify. Uh, chondrocalcinosis or whatever. You can um, see how that would be a problem. Yeah, and they're literally <laughs> little pieces of debris inside the joint. And we'll go in, we'll pretty much take them out if we can. Yeah, you got yeah. these grabbers and you'll just grab them and just yeah. pull them right out. Or sometimes they'll be attached to the wall and we'll kind of just buzz them out and kind yeah. of breed them away. The but other thing I, that we, pay we go back to that really quickly. Like the last several scopes that I've done, there was so much debris, so much synovitis that I wasn't even sure I was in the joint. Oh no, that's so common. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put that distraction on there. Yeah. I'll go in and I literally have to find the tips. And I'm, I know I'm in the front of the ankle, right? But you're like, am I really? You on the just front of the can't ankle? see. It, it's it's just a mess. Yeah, it's because yeah. you're just putting so much wear and tear onto it. Yeah. And once I clean up that little pocket, and I'm like, all right. Here's the anterior. I mean, here's the uh, the uh, proximal surface. Here's the here's the distal surface. You know, the tibia and the, the talus. And that's and what then, you're, you're hoping for is to see that beautiful, this smooth cartilaginous surface. Yeah. And just to eliminate the synovitis because that that cal- that uh, cartilage looks beautiful. It's yeah. wonderful. That's Sometimes we'll have the the lips that kind of uh, form on the front of the joint, yeah. and then you have to buzz those down more commonly on the tibial side. Mm-hmm. And I'll do that. I'm, I'm pretty aggressive with my my cleansing of that area. But, and then the, yeah, the kissing lesions where you're, like in, in your star there. Yeah. That's massive. That's, so that's banging into the front of the tibia. Yeah. So uh, other things that we'll see is osteochondral defects, OCD lesions. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is that cartilage that we're talking about uh, gets shaved or injured or crushed crushed mm-hmm. um, due to some type of injury, you know, be it traumatic, be it uh, sprained ankle, be it motor vehicle accident, be it whatever. And um, that, uh, that fragment right there is literally a loose body inside of that ankle. So this is before, this is after, what you look like when you're cleaning that up. This is not healthy. So this cartilage defect will fill in, we'll drill out, you know, we'll do our micro drilling and we'll try to rebuild that cartilage. Now it's never gonna be 100%, but we try to get as close to it as possible. We've got a good, pretty good protocol for this where we're doing the debridement we're using the uh, nanofracture device, yeah. poking a bunch oh, of holes pop, 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 pop. in the subchondral bone, and then we're filling that gap with Arthrex biocartilage, a little fibrin glue, and then putting an amniotic tissue yeah. layer over that. Nice and smooth. And that's, you know, the goal is you're getting some bleeding from the underlying bone. Yeah. You're putting in some biocartilage uh, product that can help create a patch, and then your body's going to hopefully replace that with fibrocartilage. Yeah, your body won't make it highland cartilage, which is supposed to yeah. be the, the natural cartilage that's supposed to be there. It won't, but, it won't be the stuff you were born with, yeah. But the fibrous cartilage is a good second option. 
Um, sometimes when we'll get these imaging, we'll get we'll see these little lesions on the X-rays, right? So that's that's the Gill Dial-a-Pimp right there. That's dorsiflexion inversion with a, a medial, medial posterior yeah. posterior uh, corner lesion, and those can be really difficult. Sometimes when they're big enough and they're bad enough, you 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 literally need to consider putting in a cadaveric talus, yeah. putting in a chunk of talus from a cadaver and implanting that. Yeah. <laughs> I should have put in my total talus uh, thing. Oh, yeah, that would have been, been a good been, one. We'll have to do a we'll yeah. have to do a separate show on yeah, that yeah, one because we'll that's an a AVN, good one. AVN, yeah, type of uh, yeah, uh, day. I think we need to. But yeah, so we'll get our imaging. Like, look, uh, I typically will try to get some advanced imaging with these uh, just to see exactly the extent of injury. And um, you know, like we said, we'll go in, we'll scope these out, we'll drill these out. How often do you have to do a medial osteotomy? Not often. Uh, I'm not aggressive yeah. with my um, uh, scopes. Um, there are people that are and. All to them. Um, I'll say, on a, on a you know scale, I'm a average scope person. I'm not a, a, as aggressive as some people are. So um, there are times when you just don't have any choice. Oh the, yeah. Either the lesion's too big, or it's in the perfect spot. It's right beneath the median yeah. lelis, and you just don't have a Those choice. Those medial osteotomies. I, I mean, the the procedure on them are one of my favorites because oh, you're fun, yeah. you're thinking ten steps ahead. So picture this, right? You're going in medial. Uh, ankle and you gotta get to the talus. So what you do is you put two K wires into the tibia, right, along where you're gonna do the osteotomy, perpendicular to where you do the osteotomy, right? And then you do your little cut around it and you pull those wires back, you open that up, and the reason you do those wires is because you can literally jigsaw those pieces back together, right? You go in, you do your your, your correction of the uh, um, of the tail uh, lesion, you know, you hear some of the uh, uh, options people put in those little um, what plugs. are they called uh, plugs yeah yep. and um, or you can do your graphs you can do your your pace you can do whatever and um, you'll close it up you'll put a little uh, wires across there uh, I, if I was me I typically do like a little small plate and bam or, or two screws you know two screws, along those yeah. uh, wires and bam I mean you did this crazy osteotomy only just to get into the tail. I mean, it's one of the most uh, amazing and, things. And this is showing, you know, another method where you're literally drilling through the medial malleolus, you're lining up the joint, and then you're using that that drill, yeah. a two millimeter drill maybe, to uh, burr out the subchondral bone. So you're moving the talus rather mm -hmm. than moving the wire. You're moving the talus to get to that get lesion to, in position, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes, depending on if the lesion, if the cartilage is intact and the subchondral bone is gone. So in, in these type of cases where you have that little pocket, you'll come from the plantar side and drill in and rather than violating that cartilage. And there's, there's a lot of ways to And there's some do pretty this. unique jigs out there now that help you yeah, uh, triangulate. Triangulate, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so did the side, we did the lateral side, we did the anterior side, now let's go to the medial side. The most common problem that we see with medial ankle pain is PTTD, posterior tibial tendon dysfunction. Which isn't really the ankle, ankle as yeah. the problem, but yeah. people always come in. They say, "Oh, I've got ankle pain." My ankle's swollen. It's it yeah. hurt so much. I think I injured. It. I think I rolled their it. Their ankle's fine. It's yeah. it's all subtalar joint and and uh, posterior tibial tendon. Yep. So that posterior tibial tendon, that main function of that tendon is to support that medial arch. That's the tendon that prevents your arch from turning in and your foot from pronating. It's the main function is to bring that arch up and supinate that arch and easily worn out by. Poor shoe gear, your foot structure, work. You know, a lot of people that are going up and down stairs. I, I feel like PTDDs is the most common injury in male men or delivery <laughs> men because they're jumping out of those trucks all the time. I feel like I, I would, see that so often. Yep. 
and um, Amazon, uh, Amazon delivery guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah everything yeah. we're you know we're ordering online. You got to think it's putting <laughs> someone uh, uh, through stress every day. They're jumping in and out of the trucks. Um, so we'll, we'll see these, right? And then obviously the other thing that we look for on x-rays is these little ossicles or bony prominences. These are some of the weak points in that tendon. If you can imagine having a rope and you have some type of debris in that rope while it's making a, a turn or a bend. So that little debris, that rock or whatever might be in there inside that rope or inside that tendon is physically injuring that tendon every time it's being stressed. So sometimes when we go in and we see these uh, on the uh, imaging, we're like, look, if this doesn't get better, this might be something we may need to go in and fix surgically. I mean, aside from fixing the biomechanical part of the foot structure, we'll physically go in and knock down those prominences, remove those little ossicles. And you can have the cartilaginous attachment between the ossicle and yeah. the main bone be the issue, or that's been damaged and it doesn't heal well and it's causing chronic pain. So that that's a common issue, absolutely. So treatment options, conservatively, uh, like I said, I like my figure eight braces for my ankle problems. You can immobilize with a boot, things that uh, hopefully as things progress and get better after we, you know, we, we do our, our uh, conservative therapy, I try to get them into orthotics. If we can take or an the, AFO. Yeah, and, or yeah. ankle foot orthosis, yeah. yeah. So if we can take the stress off of that tendon by supporting that arch, taking the main function out of that tendon and putting it into the orthotic, Bam, presto changeo, you're looking at a future recurrence rate of next to nothing, hopefully, mm -hmm. right? If things aren't doing so well, you know, you can go in and do the surgical options. I kind of just put in, this is what we call a kidner, go in and knock out that little ossicle, clean up that tendon. Sometimes if that tendon looks weak, we'll, we'll bring in the, the tendon next to it. You're bringing adjunctive support to that tendon. Some people do this arthroscopically. I, I'm not a big arthroscopic uh, person for sounds these. sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. I, you know, I think, the, and we rarely do we do those in isolation. Oh, never. So I never do them in isolation. Yeah, it's either we're getting them right into a custom brace or we're doing other joint fusions to yeah. support the medial column. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty we'll, rare. We'll realign that foot so it's less likely to pronate or, or turn in or flatten out. So Stress you know, that tendon. Yeah, yeah. If you're talking about going in and solely fixing that tendon for these problems... Uh, you're looking at that to flare up, you know, a couple yeah. of years down the line, if not a couple months it's, down the line. It's not likely to work. Yeah. Yep. All right. Other pain that people will feel on the inside of the ankle, tarsal tunnel syndrome. I mean, so common that pain numbness will radiate from the side of the ankle down to the bottom of their foot, down to the end step, and they're like, oh, I'm having some arch pain. I'm having some ankle pain. It, it hurts. It's tender. Um, shoe gear, when it hits there, becomes super tender. So we'll rule out uh, tarsal tunnel syndrome. Just like carpal tunnel syndrome, it's a nerve uh, impingement, neuropraxia. Neuritis, yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things that really highlights this in people who maybe have gone to somebody for plantar fasciitis yeah. and they've been put in orthotics and the orthotics made it worse. Yeah. That's, that's pretty pressure. rare and that's that should send you know a red flag to uh, anybody treating that, that, hey, there may be a nerve issue underlying this and the orthotic the cup the heel cup is putting pressure on the portapedis yeah. which is right where the thumb is and that pressure is causing pain so until you deal with that you know the orthotics aren't going to be very helpful and people can have both plantar fasciitis and tarsal tunnel yeah, syndrome at the same time and i think that gets missed a lot people just focus on the plantar fasciitis because that's something we see all the time 10 times a day but if you if you miss the potential neuritic component to their pain, you, the patient's going to get frustrated pretty quickly with you. So you got to catch that right off the bat. Yeah. So the patients will come in. We'll do our neurological exam. I mean, right where you tap that nerve, 
bam, electric, you know, they fireworks have, yeah. going off in their feet. Radiating pain out into the arch, the yeah. toe, the heel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we do is conservatively, you know, we'll talk about steroid shots, some good insoles, you know, avoid an aggressive uh, pressure point there. Something that, you know, uh, like Dr. D said, is physically pushing against a nerve. A lot of times I'll have them come in and they'll have orthotics and I'll what I'll do is I'll literally take my heat gun and flex that portion out yeah. so it doesn't mm-hmm. put pressure there. It's not, um, not a bad idea. Yep. And then what ends up happening if for people who aren't doing so well, we'll go in and physically release that tarsal tunnel. We'll literally go in, take that band down, uh, release the fascia overlying that abductor tendon, and hopefully take some of that stress off of that nerve. Just like carpal tunnel, it can be extremely successful. Yeah, yeah super great. successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we did the side, we did the front, we did the medial side. Now we're doing the back of the ankle. Yes. So ostrogonum syndrome, something mm-hmm. that um, is one of those kind of niche type of uh, of injuries. Um, I we see them all the time, but yeah. they don't always cause problems. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, they're a normal finding uh, on, until they become injured. Right. So very common in dancers, ballet dancers. You know. Anybody who's got to do yeah that position. Point. Yeah. <laughs> So what ends up happening Thankfully, is you have that's that not a job requirement for us. <laughs> yeah. uh, what ends up happening is you have normal bumps on the back of, of, of the talus. And what ends up becoming pinched off is that posterior lateral process. You're going on point, you're, you're stressing that ankle, and it's a nutcracker type of injury. And now that you've injured that, um, it's a shepherd's fracture, or if it's a separate ostrogonum, you're literally detached it. You know, it's a partial... Uh, Synchondrosis gets inflamed. Yeah, yeah, because it's not attached. Sometimes it's not attached by bone. Right? Yeah, it's just soft tissue or mm-hmm. fibrocartilage or uh, ligaments, and we'll we'll feel. So I'm doing my physical exam. I pinch that back of the ankle, and they're like, "Oh, that's tender." I was like, "All right." So I'll I'll flex that ankle. I'll literally bring their toes down and pinch that back of that ankle, and, like, and bam, ding, ding, ding. they'll jump out of that chair. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's really nowhere near the Achilles, so it's pretty no. easy to say, okay, this isn't Achilles. This is not Achilles insertional tendonitis. Yeah. This is definitely deeper posterior to the ankle, posterior to the subtalar joint. So yeah, you can isolate that pretty easily. I, I like to drop some local in there, just local by itself. Yep. And the patient's like, oh my God, that's that's great. Yeah. Can we do that? How do we do that? <laughs> can we make that permanent? And uh, yeah, you can go in and just take these out. I've tried to take them out arthroscopically. Oh, I've done Jeez, those. that's just a nightmare. Way, way it's, too complicated. Yeah, it's yeah. just the incision. Just freaking open it up. Yeah, you go from out. like a one centimeter incision to like a three centimeter incision. It's, Honestly, yeah. it's quicker, it's faster, it's less stress on the patient. You're not blindly going in because there's so much soft tissue and fat back in that little pocket. I don't know. In my hands, I like to do these open. There yeah. are people that are phenomenal at scopes. Perfect. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so what we do, we literally go in, we... Uh, knock off that little prominence, that little fracture, ostrigonum or shepherd's fracture or whatever you want to call it. We take it out, clean up that edge, make sure that that flexor hallucis longus tendon, which is next to it, uh, isn't injured because sometimes they can kind of rub up against one another. And honestly, these people recover so quickly. Yeah, it's just basically letting the skin heal. So within two weeks, they're pretty much back to normal. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. And that's pretty much it for uh, ankle pain. I don't know if we missed anything. What do you think? Man, I think we hit, uh, other than gout, which we can yeah, talk so about I, in I, a separate Yeah, so I skipped lecture. over any type of traumatic injuries or yeah. arthropathies. We're going to do right. that for another video because there's there's so much there. We, we could go off on another I had hour a, tangent on, on... I had a patient literally yesterday, bilateral ankle pain. Young guy, you know, late 30s, real Texas boy, you know, and came in with 
deep ankle pain, both. And he's just like, it came out of nowhere. First it was my left side, and I mean, a day or two later, it was the right side, and I don't know what's going on. I can't walk on them, I think they're broken. <laughs> I got x-rays, um, you know. Uh, x-rays are normal. Yeah, x-rays are normal, yeah. everything looks normal. I'm like, all right, tell me about your diet, tell me about your medical history, you know, high blood pressure, he's pre-diabetic, um, doesn't eat the healthiest, you know. And I was like, Bigger look. guy. Yeah, he's a bigger guy. Yeah. Big Texas boy. Yep. And um, I was like, look, we got to send you out. We got to get some labs because we got to rule out infection versus gout, right? Labs come back 7.4. I'm so, like, all right, ding, this ding, is ding. gout. Yeah. yeah. So gout and literally, like, literally right before recording this, I found the labs yeah. and sent out those uh, medications. He's going to come in next week. Hopefully, he's going to be doing a lot better. If not, we'll drop a little steroid in there. And then we're going to get him on, you know, gout management. Um, and that and that's an entire show all by itself. Actually, it's the next episode. Yes, yeah. we need to... So stay tuned. Yes, stay tuned for anybody suffering from gout. We will do a deep dive into the metabolic syndrome that it is and yeah. and how much more complex and varied it really is and, and how, many, uh, how many different pathologies can can lead to it yeah. and how it's really a sign of some very severe metabolic issues that are not simply just the joint that it's affecting so yeah, yeah it's the great imposter yeah yeah true awesome cool very good all right thank you dr hussein that was a wonderful uh, global view of ankle pain and we will hope to see you guys next time on the pod doctors Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, and be safe. See you all next time. Bye-bye.